Chapter Four of The Lone Ranger Rides. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Lone Ranger Rides by Fran Stryker. Chapter Four Gray Dawn. Penelope was thundered from sleep a little before daybreak. She stretched lazily, yawned deeply, then blinked her eyes wide open as jagged lightning flooded her bedroom with white light. She leaped from bed as thunder cracked again and hurried to the open window. Wind whipped her brown hair and dashed cool rain against her tanned face. Her nightgown of flimsy stuff was blown tightly about her slender form. Penny watched the storm and loved it. She hoped it would continue after daybreak when she planned a ride, her first since returning from the east, on her favorite horse. She was radiant, vital, filled with a zest for living. She was happiest when alone in the saddle, wind and rain in her face and hair, matching her endurance against the fury of the elements. She had often mused that perhaps her reason for loving the thunder was that it was the one thing that her uncle bryant could not argue with or dictate to thunder mountain she hadn't ridden there for years if she could slip away from relatives this morning she was going to seek the trail she'd known so long ago the fact that this was forbidden territory merely added to the fun of riding there it made her feel quite daring to defy a mandate of her uncle she lighted a lamp and glanced at a clock on the dresser. It was far too early for anyone to be stirring in the house, but at least she could dress and be ready for a quick breakfast. She looked longingly at the trim riding habit she had brought back from the east. Fancy doodads, Uncle Bryant had called the clothes. No use starting the day with a row, she mused and she dressed to conform with her stern old uncle's tastes. Plain clothes made for good hard wear. Her hair was brushed back tight and would remain so until she was out of Uncle Bryant's view, when it would be loosed to blow and breathe cool, wet air. It was still dark outside when she finished dressing and glanced at herself in the mirror. She was amused at the unattractive outfit. It would have been quite suitable, she reflected, for Mort's wife Rebecca to wear, if Rebecca ever rode a horse. She blew out the lamp and sat by the window to watch the storm and wait for the sounds of people moving in other parts of the house. The rain fell steadily, with a promise to continue for quite some time. The sound of water on the roof was pleasant to Penny, but the steady rhythm was broken by a man's voice. The voice was a blending of bass and discord, the voice of her cousin, Vince. Vince Cavendish was the runt of the family, about one hundred pounds of concentrated ill-will, a small package of frustrated manhood who tried to make himself heard and observed by the mere power of his bellow. His jet-black, wiry hair was usually cropped short, so it bristled on his small head 
like a stubble in a hayfield when the mowers have passed his face when shaven was blue in cast but it was more often unshaved and bristling vince was puny with narrow shoulders and a narrower mind as usual he was arguing penny guessed from the outline of the men that it was mort to whom vince talked lightning a moment later proved her guess correct the two were right beneath her window sheltered from the rain by overhanging eaves mort was the sort of man who would have liked to bear the weight of the world on shoulders unsuited to support the burden of a household much larger than vince he listened to his brother in the detached sort of way one waits for a kettle to boil more accurately in this case mort was waiting for vince to stop boiling penny was accustomed to arguments between the brothers her cousins i'd give my favorite eye tooth she thought to see mort knock the runt down but that's too much to hope for she didn't know what the row was all about she didn't especially care vince could pick a fight over the most trivial of subjects she did however wonder why those two were out so early in the morning you gotta keep her in hand i tell you bellowed vince might be a mare or a cow he's talking about mused penny or even a sow they ain't none of us can handle her if you can't and so it's up to you i said all i'm to say on the subject and i'll act the next time that damn wife of yours breaks bounds mort gosh said penny to herself i was wrong on all counts it's mort's wife he's talking about i wonder why mort doesn't spank the little weasel Penny could think of nothing more incongruous than poor, mouse-like, negative Rebecca breaking bounds, especially with so many small hands on her apron strings. Equally incongruous was the idea of Mort's being unable to handle Becky. Becky was a living example of a woman who had failed miserably to live up to the heroic name given her by romantic parents yet vince had made flat statements and there was mort agreeing with them i'll see that she don't pull no more stunts like that last he promised i was pretty sore about that and i let her know it i reckon after what i said and done she'll think a good many times before she tries to interfere with my affairs again and mine snarled vince if it was only your affairs, I wouldn't give a damn. But when she starts mixin' into my affairs, I won't stand for it. She won't no more. She's had a lesson she won't forget. Penny couldn't suppress a shudder at the thought of the punishment probably inflicted upon Mort's wife. A bully who dared not defy another man, Mort was almost sadistic in the way he treated Rebecca now that that's settled said mort how soon is ramgoon due here any time now vince replied 
Rangoon was one of several cowhands who had come to the basin during Penny's absence to replace the men she had known. All the newcomers seemed to have a common surliness of manner, an unwholesomeness look about them, a furtiveness that Penny didn't like. She could think of no reason why her cousins should be out in the rain before daybreak to meet one of the hired hands. She drew a chair to the window and sat down to eavesdrop without the slightest feeling of compunction. She rested her arms on the window sill and her head on her forearms. Her stockinged feet were boyishly wide apart. Mort and Vince grumbled in low tones about the weather while they waited for Rangoon. Presently the dark-faced cowhand appeared in the gathering dawn. "'Have any trouble?' asked Mort. "'Nah,' replied Rangoon. "'We didn't have no trouble, but it took time to get back here in the dark and the rain.' "'You might have come back last night,' said Vince. "'Better this way,' said Rangoon. "'Everything's fixed. Six men come, and we got all six. That's that. We'll have to keep a close check and see that there ain't others comin' to learn what's happened when them six don't return.' "'If any others come,' Mort stated softly, "'we'll know about it and take care of them.' Rangoon gazed steadily at Mort. "'You,' he said after a pause, "'better give that wife of yours a lesson.' "'He's going to,' promised Vince. Then the three men moved away, and Penny saw them disappear beyond the corner of a building. For some time she sat at the window with her thoughts. Ever since her return she had been bothered by an unexplainable apprehension. The basin, which had been her home for many years, had always been a happy place, despite her surly uncle and her cousins. Now the air of the place was changed. Bryant's surliness had trebled. On several occasions he had spoken sharply, even to Penny, a thing he'd never done before. At times the girl felt quite unwelcome in the only home she knew. She pulled on her boots, still wondering what the three men were talking about. Her thoughts were punctuated by a period in the form of a soft rap on her bedroom door. Soft as it was, the rap was so unexpected that it startled Penny. Whoever had rapped had tried to do so as silently, as secretly, perhaps, as possible, and Penny opened the door in the same cautious manner. Rebecca Cavendish, the wife of Mort and mother of too many children, made her appearance, stepping into the room nervously, quickly, with bird-like motions, and closing the door behind her. Penny had always felt sorry for Rebecca. She understood the woman better than did any of the men. Becky always reminded Penny of a scarecrow in faded calico. What curves and grace Rebecca might have had were mental. Penny felt sure that her mind, in spite of years of hard treatment, had retained a womanly softness and a wistful desire for gracious living. 
she was a woman who in the midst of plenty lived like a slave a woman whose mate turned to her only in passion whose children looked to her only in hunger her eyes were jet but dulled they reminded penny of the sharp eyes of an eagle grown discouraged by long years of beating strong wings against the stronger bars of a cage rebecca's hair was black without a trace of gray to complement the many wrinkles on her thin high cheekboned face rebecca opened the door again glanced quickly into the hall then stepped back wasn't seen i guess she said is something wrong becky asked penny it was the first time becky had been in her room and one of the few times she'd been in uncle bryant's big house i've got to be special careful whispered the woman in a husky voice bryant never did get over me marryin mort and mort'd beat me to within an inch of my life if he was to catch me here at a loss penny said sit down won't you becky rebecca shuffled across the floor sat on one edge of the bed and motioned with a claw-like hand for penny to sit beside her what i got to tell she began when penny was seated won't take me long you must have seen that things round here have changed to plenty since you left for school things have changed a lot said penny but the people have changed a lot more there used to be a dandy lot of cowhands around here but they're all gone i don't like the looks of the new men becky nodded quickly just so she said that's why i'm here i've come to tell you to clear out clear out echoed penny you mean leave the basin that's just what i mean it don't matter how you get out just get and the sooner the better there's things going on around here that ain't healthy things you'll be happier and better for not knowing about now don't ask no questions just get penny at first thought that torment and torture had addled the poor brains of her visitor there was a burning sincerity in becky's eyes now take it easy becky she said softly i'm sure things aren't that bad penny felt she wasn't convincing but her main purpose was to calm and reassure the nervous woman uncle bryant wouldn't tolerate anything that wasn't right you know that as well as i do bryant don't know the goings-on around here these days he don't even know who's working here no more Penny laughed softly, despite a feeling of misgiving. "'That's silly,' she said. "'There isn't a thing that goes on in the basin that Uncle Bryant doesn't know about.' She recalled the talk of a few minutes ago, when the men were beneath her window, and wondered if her statement was accurate. "'Tell me some more, Becky.' Anger rose in Becky's eyes don't believe me eh she rose to her feet you don't believe me because the shack where i live is away the other side of the corral 
and you can't hear the sounds when Mort takes me in hand. You didn't hear it t'other night. Oh, I ain't saying it's something new for him to raise a hand to me. He's done it till it's commonplace, but never like t'other night. Unexpectedly, Rebecca clawed at the shoulder of her flimsy dress and ripped it away from her bare, bony arm. "'Look!' she cried. Livid lines glowed angrily across the arm, the shoulder, and as much of the woman's back as Penny could see. The skin in several places had been broken and was beginning to heal. "'Mort, the damn skunk, done that with a lash,' Rebecca said. "'You know why?' Penny, speechless at the exhibition, shook her head. Rebecca brushed a vagrant lock of hair off her damp forehead. "'I'll tell you why,' she went on. "'It's because I didn't stay in the house one evening after dark. The night was hot and stuffy, and I wanted a breath of fresh air.' I sat by the cottonwoods south of our house. I didn't mean to follow Mort there and listen to what him and Vince was saying. I didn't even know them two was there. I couldn't help hearing some of what— Becky broke off sharply, as if she had already said more than she intended to. Quickly, she continued, I—I I mean, I didn't hear nothing much. Penny knew the woman lied. Such intensity could never have risen from hearing nothing much. "'Mort and Vince catched me there,' the woman said. "'Mort sent me to the house while he talked some more with Vince. Then Vince rid away and was gone for a couple of days. When Mort came in, he beat me worse than I'd ever been beat before.' He told me if I let on that I knowed what was talked about, he'd kill me. He would, too. "'Sit down again, Becky,' said Penny, as quietly as she could. "'Ain't going to,' replied the woman, as she pulled her torn dress back in place with fumbling fingers. "'You always been kind to me, and that's why I snuck in here to warn you. You can take my warnin' and clear out while there's the chance, or you can say I'm an addle-headed fool and stay here." She moved toward the door. "'I'm tellin' you, though, if you stay till Bryant's dead, you'll be willin' to swap places with any soul from hell.' "'Wait, Becky.' "'I can't. It's too risky. If Mort knowed I was here, he'd kill me and I ain't using the word kill as a figure of speech. "'But Mort is your husband,' said Penelope. She hoped to continue the conversation and learn more of what was said in the cottonwoods. "'I thought you loved Mort.' "'Love him?' spat the woman. "'I hate the dirty cur more'n a hoss hates snakes. That's why I go on living here.' It'd make him happy to see me clear out, but I ain't going to do it. I'll outlive Bryant, and I'll outlive Mort, and then my young'uns'll come into their share of this ranch. I'll make him pay for the way he's treated me and his own young'uns. Tell me, said Penny softly, what were Vince and Mort talking about the other night in the cottonwoods? 
"'About Bryant's eyes and how easy it was to—' Becky broke off sharply. She gazed at Penny for a moment. Her voice grew harder, more firm. "'I didn't hear,' she said. A sudden draft blew through the room. Penny saw the billowing window shades, then saw Rebecca with mortal terror in her face. Penny followed her stare. Mort Cavendish stood in the doorway. Thunder boomed outside the window. Mort's face was expressionless. For fully a minute no one spoke to break the tableau. Becky assumed a look of defiance and waited for Mort to be the first to speak. When he did so, his voice was toneless and quite soft. "'It's about time for you to be getting breakfast for the kids,' he told Rebecca. To Penny, he said, "'Uncle Bryant is at the table. Are you coming?' Penny nodded. Mort stood aside so his wife could pass. She moved down the hall without a backward glance. Mort said, "'I'll see you later, Becky,' and Penny caught the threat that the words implied. End of chapter 4